0: Good morning, Gary, and good morning, everybody else. Good to have you here this morning to be with us here at Greater Alton Church. I'm Tim, and, uh, it's just good, nice day. Gonna be a beautiful spring day. Are you looking forward to getting out in the yard? It's gonna be nice, isn't it? And so it's good. Man, hi, Kev. Man, I just, wow, we got celebrities here today, man. It's good to see you. It's good to be together, okay? And so, um I hope you'll, uh, Bear with me. got a couple of announcements to make. One of them is, let's see, the Ladies Retreat is just a couple of weeks away. Hope you've signed up for that. We're looking at Gifted is the uh, theme this year. We're going to look at our gifts, and it's uh, from the Encanto idea. That's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, again, only in a couple of weeks. And then you'll notice in your bulletin there's something about a work day, and we're trying to get that mobilized and trying to get that together some. And what we're wanting to do is we're wanting to... Uh, Get as many people up here and get ready for Easter, and that's going to be on April the 9th. And if you'd like to help with that, just write on the back of your card, I'll come help, uh, your communication card today. That would be wonderful. Make sure you put your name, though, on it. If you just say, I want to help, and there's no name on it, well, that's nice. But I think we're going to start at 730, and I think we're going to have some breakfast here. You know, if anybody wants to get come early, and we're going to enjoy uh having breakfast together and then work on some things, clean some things, spruce up some things, Repair some things, you know, getting ready for Easter this year. Uh, we're in a series. We've been in a series of lessons. Can you imagine? I can't imagine this. Ten weeks we've been looking at this. I mean, we started our year off by talking about how Jesus is. That was, that's our theme for the year. And you might be asking, why are we spending so much time looking at uh, who Jesus is at the beginning of 2022? Well, let me tell you why. How you and I understand Jesus has a big impact on our faith. It also shapes things like our mood. It shapes our motivation. And even our movements, how we behave, is all determined by this, how we fill the blank in. Jesus is. And everybody's got a different idea of Jesus. And everybody's maybe a different emphasis. I thought about this. uh reading a book right now called um, Jesus, How They Saw Him. And it's all the different names of Jesus not only names that he claimed that he called himself, but names of others. And you get, you think about it, why are all these different names? Well, everybody has a, a, maybe a different way to fill in that blank. Who is Jesus to you? You know, the Son of Man, Jesus did say, who do people say I am? And they all filled in their blank differently. Did you notice that amongst the disciples? Some say you're Elijah, some say you're Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Yeah, but who do you say I am? And Peter would speak up and say, you're the Son of God. That's what I believe. And that was a profound statement when you stop and think about it. How you fill that blank in is gonna, has a big, it's, it's very important how you fill that in. It determines so much of your life. I know people that's, that say, well, Jesus is my savior, but they wouldn't put Jesus as my Lord. They like the idea that he saves them, but he does like the idea that he, ha- they'd have to be a servant of him. Or maybe, well, he's, he's a man. He's just a man and they don't have the idea that he's a messiah. And that's what we're doing. We're looking at all these different names. And to be honest with you, I I asked myself one time, why is Jesus, why do you call yourself by so many names? Well, could it be it's because one name doesn't fit everything about Christ? That maybe that there's one name that that gives you an idea of him, but then another another name that gives you another idea of him. And it's putting all these names together that uh, we're able to adequately identify Jesus Christ. I want to look at a name today that is found in the last chapter of the last book of the Bible. It's in the book of Revelation. It's the Alpha and the Omega. Look at this passage with me here on the screen or in your notes if you'd like to follow along. It says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. What is he talking about? This is Jesus speaking. John's having this vision and Jesus Christ is speaking to him, and he claims, I'm the beginning, the end, the alpha and the omega. What is alpha and what is omega? Well, it's the first letter. Alpha is the first letter of the Greek al- uh, alphabet. And then omega is the last letter in the Greek alphabet. And see, the New Testament was written in Koine Greek. It was written in that language. And so Jesus, in essence, is saying, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the beginning, the end, I'm the alpha, the omega, I'm A to Z. I'm everything you ever need. I'm, I'm, I'm beginning, end, and everything in between. What I want to do is I want to look at that. So what's so significant about this name? What can I, what can I learn when, when he calls himself this name? You know, everybody's got a name they call themselves, maybe a nickname they got. Maybe the, I was called skis because I have long, skinny feet. Uh, I was, I was called, I've told you before, Pimwe, boy of rainforest, because Pimwe was just skin and bones. And in the fourth grade, I was skin and bones, a little kid. And so uh everybody's got a. There may be a name that gives a trait of some sort. Well, what's so significant about this awful and omega that Jesus would call himself this only three times in the New Testament, all in the book of Revelation? Well, let me give you four things that I notice about this, four ideas That the Alpha and Omega give us first, Jesus is God. We start there. One of the striking traits about God is that He's eternal, He's self existent, He's always existed. Someone says, Where did God come from? (laughs) The answer is He didn't come from anything. He's just always been. He's always is. He's always existed. And just think about that for a minute. We say that so quickly. When you just think about that. only one is eternal. it's God, only one, nothing else. I'm called to follow, I've been created, and I'm called to follow someone who has always been always been see i I don't know about you, but we cannot we cannot comprehend this sometimes. we don't dwell on it much, and we should. See, we live in, a, in an environment or, in, or our lives are in the context of beginnings and endings. Think about your, for example, lifespan. Birthday, the day we're born, it's on our markers, our grave, every tombstone. The day we're born, the day we die. There's uh, expiration dates on all of our products. There's a, we call it a shelf life, am I right? So there's a beginning and there's an end there. Even our games that we play, whether it's video game, game over, or or uh, the lo- you know you play a game. Sometimes you know they go on for hours. Uh, the other day, I uh, was with Meyer and we're playing King of Tokyo. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of this game, but you're a dinosaur and you're trying to take over and be the king of Tokyo. And he goes, I want to play the king of Tokyo with you. And Carmody immediately goes, no. And I go, why, what's wrong? What, what are you, what am I walking into? This game lasts forever. Oh, Carmody, it won't last forever. I mean, he's five. Give me a break here. I'll, I'll eat him alive. He knew the rules better than me. He chewed me up and spit me out, but we weren't even for an hour. We're playing and we're, and Carmody goes, are you done yet? No. We haven't even, you know, we're still determining who the king of Tokyo is, but sooner or later a game is going to be over. We ended up finishing the game just stopping because I didn't see an end in sight. <laughs> sooner or later, whether it's a bag of chips or a bag of M&Ms, you know, you just start off so optimistic when that bag is full, but then eventually you're reaching in that crackly bag and, and there it is, the last M&M. It's a sad day. Everything, all good things must come to an end. Well, you, you know that's true. And even science today, science, we're so they've been spending generations of an and energy doing what? Trying to figure out how it all began. Where's it going to end? I'm noticing. I'm reading, and you know, when you're reading, uh, news on Facebook, you're liable to get all kinds of crazy stuff. Did you see the 335 year old woman that was on Facebook? Give me a break. And, but they had another one, it was an asteroid's coming to the earth. That's like every other week, there's another article about an asteroid going to hit the earth and end us and kill us all. There is a beginning and an end and there will be an end, there'll be an end someday of this earth. There's no doubt about that. But God is beyond our mere beginnings and endings. He transcends that. He's beyond that. Here in Isaiah 44, verse 6, look what it says here. I am the first, I am the last, and beside me there is no God. I was looking at this this idea of all the words that describe God, and one of those words is the word we get Jehovah. And Jehovah, you've heard that word, right? They're not just people that knock on your door. I mean, that's a real word in the Bible, okay? And, and, and it describes God. It, it talks of God. And one of the things I thought was interesting about it is it's in the Bible almost 7,000 times in the Old Testament, Jehovah is. And yet, uh, this word, when it, when you first research it and you find out a little bit about it, it had no vowels in it. It was just consonants. And, and the way you pronounced it was simply taking a breath in and taking a breath out. Just, ah, ah, that was the name of God. This name, by the way, I heard somebody say one time, the very first thing you say when you're born, your first breath is God. And your last breath is the name of God. That's something. First and last. Moses one time asked, asked um, God. He said, "You, want, who do I say sent, sends me?" And if you remember, God spoke from that burning bush and said, "You say I am,' sent you. Well, what's that mean?" Well, the interesting thing about this idea of of uh, Jehovah and God speaking in these terms of that transcend time is that it, the definition of this word, Jehovah, one of the definitions is the existed or existing one. He's always been. You know, scribes so so revered this name, folks, when they would write his name on a parchment or on an animal skin, that they would have to wash their body and clean their quill or their pen before they every time before they wrote the word, before they wrote his name and when they did write his name gets this once you began you had to finish the name you could not be interrupted and if you were to start and you ran out of ink or you were to start and halfway through the ink would all of a sudden blot the name they would tear up the manuscript and start all over that's how holy that's how much it was that god's name was revered when he says, do not take the Lord thy God named in vain, man, it's got a whole different meaning, huh? It means existing one. existing one, And there's no English word that we have that can fully capture this idea of the existing one. So, the, so our translations use words like the Lord God or the Lord of armies, the Lord of hosts, or Almighty God. And here in Revelation 1, for example, John is having this vision, he's having this dream, and it has lots of imagery. And in this dream, in verses 7-8 through in chapter 1 of Revelation, here's what the Bible says. Look, Jesus is coming with the clouds. Everyone will see Him, even those who pierced Him. All peoples of the earth will cry loudly because of Him. Yes, this will happen. Amen. The Lord God says... I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the one who is, who always was, and who is coming. I am the all-powerful. John would write in the Gospel, same guy that wrote Revelation, his dream, wrote this in John 1. Before the world began, the world was there. The Word was there. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He was there with God in the beginning, the beginning of what? the beginning of creation, and notice in, again in verse 14 it says, "The Word became a man and lived among us. You see before anything else, Jesus is before 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 Jesus, there was nothing but Jesus, and after it's all over, folks, Jesus will be. Jesus is. That means His authority has always been... That means His word never passes away. Words come and go. I was cleaning out the welcome center. It's depressing when you clean out stuff around here. Let me tell you why. I saw sermons from ten years ago on CD. Words pass away. I mean... Boxes full of words. And they all pass away. But the Word of God never passes away. It's still existing. It's still doing its thing. God's power. God's power is still here. It's always existed before anything was made, before you and I were born. After we're dead, His power will still be. His presence never goes away. And his love. Well, what what Paul say in one Corinthians thirteen? Faith and hope and love, but the greatest of these is love. And what's he say about love? It's always, always, God always loves. Who who can say they always love? Only God. And so when Jesus says, "I'm the Alpha and the Omega," He's saying, "I was before any of this started, and I'll be here." All the way. From beginning to end and in between. Number two. Jesus is everything I need. That's what we learn when he says off and omega. I was, I was, you can Google it. Just Google A to Z. There's, there's a, a publisher that's putting together books that say things like, all the history you need from A to Z in one big thick book. And all the stuff about geometry and all the, and, and I think there's, what is it, or Centrum is a, a vitamin. We've got you covered from A to zinc, Right? And so we have this, this whole idea of everything you need from A to Z. I, th- I think about, uh, Costco. Man, they have a lot of stuff. I remember when I went to Central Hardware when it was around years ago. It said we have everything from scoops to nuts. I don't know what, I walk in. And I remember walking in back in the 80s. When I first moved here, drove out, almost got lost because I didn't know Alton at all. Walk in, I go, where are your groceries? They said, groceries? Yeah, where are your groceries? I was a prophet, didn't know it. Because someday there would be groceries and hardware in the same store. I didn't know it. I should have took advantage of that. But but I'm sitting there going, where's your groceries? A store this big has got to have groceries. No, this is all hardware. I go, oh, thank you, God. Walking around looking at all this stuff. But they had it all. You wanted something. See, I grew up in a town where you went to the hardware store and you were lucky if they had it. Central Hardware had it all. Everything you can imagine. Like Amazon in a building. Amazing. And so the Alpha and the Omega, though, it it signifies completeness. That means that uh, Jesus is all and has all. It means this. It means He has all of time. He has all space. He has everything. Simply, He is. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He doesn't need anything from anyone. Because He already has it. He covers everything and supplies everything you and I need. Look at this uh, passage here in 1 Peter. Jesus has the power of God by which He has given us everything we need, notice, to live and to serve God. We have these things because we know Him. Notice that? There's something about walking with Christ, knowing Jesus, that we possess everything we need. Jesus called us by His own glory and goodness. Now, I got to look at it this. I got to thinking about this because I know sometimes I hear folks say and maybe it's even come from my lips we'll mutter to ourselves no one can help me. I, I, somebody will say I'd like to help you. You can't help me. You don't understand. You can't help me. And then maybe that's a, I think it can be a true statement. There's, in some context no one can help you. No one but Jesus. One time in Mark chapter nine, a family had a kid. You know, I don't know if you if you have a brat or you have got a, a we'll say an incorrigible child. I don't know. This family had a demon possessed child. Imagine the parties you had there. But anyway, she, so the, this kid is throwing himself into fire. He's harming himself, and they will come up to the disciples. You've got to help us, and the disciples can't do anything about it. In fact. They bring him to Jesus and, and, the, and these parents say, look, I, I, I brought my child to your disciples and it specifically says they couldn't help us. And then, then these parents say, they say this, so if you can, help us do something about this child. And here's the response Jesus has. What do you mean if I can? He says in Mark chapter 9 verse 23 then notice he says, anything is possible if a person believes. I want to say something, and I hope you don't take it as an excuse. But there there are times when no one else can help you. That we put our faith in people or pills or something, and we think, that's going to solve my problem. You know, why won't you help me? Why can't... You're responsible for my condition, and you should be able to help me. There are times when nobody can help you. That's scary. There are times in my life when no one could help me. They tried, but I wouldn't pay attention. You ever been there? Not listening? They're giving you great godly counsel, giving you great advice, making spot-on observation about you, but you can't hear it. They, and they can't, they can't help you. In fact, there's times when you go, man, I want to feel better. I'm depending on you to make me feel better. And they just can't get the job done. Where's your words of comfort? Where's your words of assurance? Sometimes disciples can't help people. But Jesus can. Jesus can. They bring him to Jesus. He says, if you can do it, if you can help, what do you mean? If, and look what he says, he promises, anything is possible if a person believes. And you know what the response was to the, these parents? A fellow speaks up and says, I believe. Help me in my unbelief. What? I believe you, but help me in my unbelief. What's he saying? I want to believe that. I want to believe Jesus can help me, but I have my doubts. You know, Jesus basically is telling me, he tells me this from this passage. Tim, you're going to get what you expect. If you expect me to help you, you're going to get my help. But if you've got doubts about it, I'm not going to be able to help you either. And what's he say to this kid? He says, he says, get up and walk. And what happens? That kid gets up and walks. Let me ask you a question this morning. What's your, what part of you is in the category of unbelief when it comes to Jesus? You want to believe, but there's some unbelief there. I, I listened to somebody. Uh, I heard about someone saying, and i've heard it before no one can help me no one can help me and i thought to myself and and you know what happened was that these the, these guys said well we'd love to help you and if when you're ready we'll help you he didn't respond much see jesus sometimes is the only person that can help you you're going through something and everybody's trying To encourage you, trying to help you, but you feel like it's just useless. Let me tell you, Jesus is not useless. He can help you. Sometimes you and Jesus got to wrestle it out together, and the rest of us have to sit and watch. My kid's out of line. I don't know what to do. What can I pray that that she and Jesus work it out? That he and Jesus somehow wrestle through it. You know, Jacob wrestled with God one time. He'd come out with a limp, but he'd come out better. No one else could help him with his problem. Only Jesus Christ could. I think it's interesting. I find myself here looking at another passage, and it's when Jesus finds a guy who's an invalid, and he's been an invalid for 38 years. And look what he says here. He asks this guy, do you want to get well? And look what his reply is. I have no one to help me. Is that a true statement? Sometimes you have no one to help you and yet all the help you ever need is standing right in front of this. Uh, all you ever needed standing right in front of this man. And He says to him, get up, he says, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And at once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and walked. I noticed something about this, this idea of believing, this idea of, of putting our faith in Jesus to help us it 's not enough just to be to, to come to him it 's not enough just to listen to him you 've got to trust and obey him. you get all the help you need i 'm saying this because i and again i don 't know who needs to hear this somebody 's need to hear this in this room and i don 't know who it is, and that 's okay, but maybe you 've come in here. And listen, the rest of us, if you didn't, if you didn't come in here with this attitude, you need to think about this. We need to think about this as a church. Sometimes people, maybe you came in through this door today and on your way in, you're going, God, I'm giving you just one more chance to work, to work in my life. I've tried everything and I'm going to give you one more chance. You know, we have people that come through those doors all the time that are making deals like that with God, church. And we need to we need to pay attention to them. We need to love them. We need to be warm toward them because they're looking for something. God, I'm I'm kind of just I'm frustrated. I'm discouraged, and man, I'm telling you, they have this is a dangerous prayer. God, you're my last chance here. If it doesn't work today, I'm out. And I just want to say to you, whoever you are. If that's how you're feeling, Jesus wants to help you, and he can help you. He has, the Alpha and the Omega has all the love to help you, all the wisdom to help you, all the power to help you. He has all the answers and all the remedies. He hasn't seen something he's never seen before. You're not going to shock him. You're not going to gross him out. He's seen it before. And he's, he's healed it before. The and omega works that way. He has everything you and I need. Third thing I notice about about Jesus when he calls himself the Ome- and omega is Jesus is with me to the end. Over and over, I keep running into passages where Jesus, he's, he's saying, "I'm gonna, he's gonna finish what he started." It's like he lived a life to finish things. Remember, he said, "I've come here to accomplish the will of Him who sent me." Uh, he tells his he's, from the cross, he says the words, "It is finished." One of the seven statements from the cross. One time, he tells his disciples, "Look, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave you." But I'm going to prepare a place for you. And when I'm finished, I'm coming back to take you to be where I am. Jesus was about finishing things. Revelation 21, here's one of those passages. He says to me, it is done. This is Jesus talking to John. It is done. I'm the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. Would you circle end? He's the end. He has the last word. He completes what he starts. See, this was written in the context of Roman persecution. I was watching Spartacus. Uh, TCM's doing the uh, movies that won Oscars. And I'm watching Spartacus, Kirk Douglas with the dimple that just goes forever, you know. And he's Spartacus. And I'm thinking, eh, I want to read about So I'm reading last night everything I could put my hands on on in, in the internet about Spartacus. He has, he, he, him and about 90 other slaves break, or they're basically, they're gladiators. They break out of this prison. And they, they get out of prison uh, to, uh, about 50 or 70 of them, and they start forming this army that grows to almost 100,000. It's a, it's a third slave revolt in the Roman Republic. Republic, almost said Republican, Republic. And one of the things I thought fascinating was, it just, he was seventy years. He was in. A, he was around seventy years before Jesus. That's how close he was to the birth of Christ. About seventy-three to seventy-one BC is when he is at his zenith. It takes the legions of Crassus and the legions of Pompey, with some help from a fellow obscure fellow by the name of Julius Caesar, to defeat this guy. they they, they and then they they crucify. Six thousand survivors all the way to Rome, the Appian Way. That's all true. They never found the body of Spartacus. But this, this, this empire was, before it became an empire, when it was a republic and the people kind of, kind of had a say in everything, was in great turmoil. Don't tell me there's not a parallel here. Great turmoil. This nation's having lots of trouble all over the place. Crazy people wanting to do crazy stuff all over the world. And they're trying to put it down here and put it down there. So when the Christian comes, the Romans have sharpened their teeth on slaves to chew up the Christian and the Christians die by the thousands, by the thousands, for about 300 years. And so this idea of what's the book of Revelation really about? Well, a lot of people want to say, oh, it's yet to happen. Oh, man, it's this is this. Is. Some people are right now claiming that Russia invading Ukraine is the sign of the end times well, you do a, little, do a little reading and you'll find that we've been living in the last days since the church began. And there's been wars and rumors of wars and all this stuff's been going on. And in Revelation, the book starts off by saying, "What's I'm about to show you must soon take place. And then he goes on, the, Jesus says, or the angel says to, to John, not only soon take place, John, but the time is at hand it's within your lifetime, within your reach. This is coming. This persecution that's coming. And you read all these beasts and crazy. You ever had a dream like that? Maybe you ate something you shouldn't have and wow. Well, he's, get, he's watching this and, and it sounds like the book of Daniel. And it does sound like much like the book of Daniel. Which, by the way, Daniel was told, lock these up because what's going to happen is afar off. The same dream John's having is, it's within your reach. It's about to happen. Check it out. Check out Revelation 1. And so all this is playing out. Christians are being, and, and by the way, why is he saying this? And look what he says. He said to me, this is at the, at the end of Revelation, and we're getting ready to end this dream. He says, Jesus says, it is done. It is done. It is done. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I have the last word in this, and I'm telling you, it's done. But you haven't started yet. It's done before it started. Praise God. Because the Christian, when he read this book, realized, wow. What I'm about to go through, I'm not going to be done. They're going to be done. And oh, I may perish. I may be killed. I may be beheaded or crucified or whatever. They may burn me. But the Alpha and Omega promises me that in the end, we're going to win. And what happens to Rome? By 3.30, the emperor becomes a Christian and the persecution ends. Rome falls apart. And Jesus still is. Whatever you're going through, whatever it is, and I know we some of us are going through some I mean, gas is high. I, I, I complain with you. I can't believe gas is so high. That's no good, Putin. You know, go, go out to eat sometime. A simple breakfast now is crazy money to have bacon and eggs. People are, jobs are changing hands. People are moving all over the place. And yet there's, there's the common everyday things of life that's so uncertain. What can I count on? that Jesus will be with me to the end. He never will leave me. See, the Alpha and Omega who was with us, with man, and with you at the beginning, intends to be with you at the end and to be with you everywhere in between. Look at what Jesus says to his disciples, and I think it's something we need to, if we're disciples, we need to listen to this. He says to his disciples, you can be sure that I'll always, that I will be with you always. I'll continue with you until the end of time. In other words, what I began with you fellas, I'm going to finish with you fellas. I won't see you at the finish line. No, I'm going with you toward the finish line and we'll cross it together. I've told this story before, but I was in cross-country, and David Green was our best runner. And for some reason, I was running well one day. And I don't know where I was placed in the, in the race, but I was with David Green. And I know he finishes first every time. And we're running this three, 2.9 miles. And as we're running, my body is beginning to break down. I'm trying to stay up with David. We, we're, we're good friends. And he says, come on, Tim, you can keep going, keep going. I don't know my body. I know your body hurts, but come on, one other step. One, keep going. Tim, you're doing incredible. I've never seen you run this good. You just keep going. Don't quit. Keep going. And you know, I got through that whole race. Finished better than I ever did. And I believe it's because David was at my side. Kept urging me and encouraging me. Don't give up. Keep going. Keep going. You can do this, Tim. Look how far you've been. Look how far you've got to go. Don't stop. Don't quit. Hebrews 12 verse 2 says this, let us keep looking to Jesus, who is the one who started this journey of faith, and He is the one who completes the journey of faith. What Jesus starts, He finishes, church. What Jesus starts, He finishes. And when you follow Him, what He starts with you, you will finish. Just keep Him at your side. And what's He doing the whole time? The whole time we're going through life, ups and downs, I'm going to go sideways. He's saying, I'm not going to leave you in the middle of this. I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the constant. You keep going. Don't stop. Don't quit. The Holy Spirit has been described as by a word called paracletos. And what it means is someone who runs alongside. And Jesus said, I'm going to send a paracletos to you. After you see this body go, the Spirit of God is going to be with you. And He runs alongside. And I want you to know, maybe you're thinking of quitting. I want, I want to, let, listen, I just don't want to urge you. I want you to listen for the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is telling you this morning, don't stop. Don't quit. Don't let up. Keep going. The off and the omega is with you. He won't desert you. You will finish because what he starts in you, he intends to finish. Number four. What's so significant about Jesus being the off and omega? Well, if it's true, then Jesus is about fresh starts. He's about fresh starts. He's into beginnings, not just endings. Colossians 1 says, For everything, absolutely everything above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels, everything got started in Him and finds its purpose in Him. He was there before any of it came into existence. and love this part. And He holds it together right up to this moment. See, He's in the moment. He loves to start things. Everything got its start from Him. Its purpose. And He... And he's going to stay and hold everything, hold you and I together to the end. See, the Alpha Omega, as a believer, started something in you and I. And he intends to see it finished. And he wants, by the way, he wants to start something. And maybe for some of us here, he wants to start something new in you today. Maybe it's a relationship. You know, you, you've come to Jesus, you've listened to Jesus, but it's time to trust Jesus. It's time to take the plunge, so to speak. You know, I've, I've, when I was a child, I remember going out on the diving board for the first time. Everybody remember that moment? How many of you ran back? I was one of those that kept running back. I'd run out to it and I'd see the water and you know, see the drain in the bottom of the pool and it's doing this. Oh, that's deep. Oh, 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 oh. I did that. I don't know how many times. You know, I, I even, ha- what convinced me finally to dive or to jump off was my cousins who were younger than me are treading. They lived at the pool. They're treading water going, we'll catch you. I'm 18 years old, folks. We'll catch you, Tim. Kids are going to catch me. And I finally went, oh well, here we go. You know, once you get off the board, there's no going back, right? And off the board. And you know, I popped up just like my cousin said. I noticed my own children. I got video, I was looking at video, video of stuff of back when we did vacations, when the boys were little bitty, and I'm watching Reese Metcalf, my nephew, who's afraid of nothing now, and he goes out to the end of the board. I mean, it's generational, folks. Oh, I'm not doing that. Matthew just hauls off and goes, man, I think he even fell halfway down the board. He didn't care. Bounces off of it, hits the water. I'm good. And then I watch my grandchildren now, and they, and they kind, I'm watching them swimming lessons, and they go out to the board, and they look at the water, and I'm going, they're not good. Don't jump! That's what I'll tell them. Don't jump! Be quiet, grandpa. I'm jumping. No, don't do it! And of course, I get reprimanded by the swimming instructor. Stop saying that. I'm trying to get him to jump, see? And off they go and they pop right back up and I, get, I ask him, what was that like? Oh, it was exciting. What I noticed was, I've seen this happen. I've seen this happen, folks. I've watched parents and I've watched brothers and sisters grab their younger sibling and take them to the end of the, and throw them off. They need therapy. I don't know if any of you have ever been thrown off the diving board, but I'll tell you something. I watched that and I watched that kid go, I don't like this. And one thing about Jesus is he never forces, we don't, you can't force people to follow Jesus. It's like, come on. Take the plunge. Maybe he wants to start a relationship with you. You know, you, you, you know that Jesus is Lord. You know he's your savior. You know, you know that it's time to trust Him. Time to be baptized. Take the plunge. Nobody's going to force you. I'm not forcing you right now. You don't want to get baptized, that's your business. But I'd encourage you. You won't hear me from the sidelines saying, don't do it! <laughs> of course not. But maybe you've been a Christian a while and you go, you know, Tim, I, I got, I did the plunge. And I am um, I don't know what to do. I'm kind of stuck right now. Well, Jesus wants to start another beginning, a new beginning. He wants to start something fresh again. Maybe you were serving and you've gotten out of serving. He wants to get you to start back up again. Start serving again. Start working in the kingdom again. Maybe it's a new chapter. Maybe it's just changing what I've been doing. Now it's time for a new chapter in my life. Jesus is interested in new chapters. You've know, not got one chapter he, Our lives are full of chapters, and Jesus wants to be a part of those. Look at this in Second Corinthians five: When someone becomes a Christian, he he becomes a brand new person inside. He's not the same anymore. A new life has begun. Maybe you've begun. Maybe you began and you've gotten stuck. Well, God wants you to begin again, and understand what you and God have started, you can finish. You can finish. Maybe you've had a bad chapter in your life. Jesus says, let's close that one. Let's open up a new one. Let's, let's finish the book together. Philippians 1 says this, I am sure that the good work God began in you will continue until He completes it on the day when Jesus Christ comes again. You know, Tim, sometimes I feel like maybe I've stumbled out of the starting gate. It's not over. Most of us do. Living a, living a life of faith, it involves failing and falling many times. But it involves getting back up. It involves starting again. Are you getting back up? You see, it's, I've heard somebody say, well, how you start is so important. I, I, I grant you that, but I know people that have started ugly, but they finished strong. That's how you finish. The off and the Omega not only wants to start something with you, but He wants to finish it with you. Will you let Him? Because He promises to help you. Let me ask you as we close. What do you need to start? What do you need to start again? Where will you begin? Let's pray. Father, thank You for Jesus. Thank You for the off and the Omega. Father, thank You for his power and authority. for bring, let, for come, Father, thank you for coming to earth in the form of Jesus. It's hard to get my mind around that sometimes. But Father, I know you, you intend to finish what you've started. You know, I, I thought the other day, how do you stop the work of God? You don't. And Father, I know you're, go- you're going to finish what you're, you started regardless Oh God, we want to be in on that. For the, some of us here today, Father, we may have felt like, you know, I'm Lord. If you don't come through, I'm. I'm I think I'm going to walk away. Father, would you, would you encourage them with your Holy Spirit right now? And let them know you want to help, Father. I know some of us in here, right now, we're not letting anybody help us, and that may be the reason why we're not. No one can help us. But there's some of us here, Father, going through. We just need to listen to people. We need to listen to, to the Christians in our lives, to your word, the people you supply. But, Father, there's some of us here. It's just between you and them. Would you work, Father, looking for an answer? They're looking for your help. Would you give that to them? Father, we pray for our country. We pray, Father, that our country, our leaders in our country, for our president, our senators, representatives, our governor—oh, Father, touch their hearts with Your Holy Spirit. Even if even if we think they're so callous, we ask You touch their hearts with Your Holy Spirit. Father, um, we pray for the people of Ukraine. We pray for those people that are suffering in Ukraine. Father, we pray for this war to end. We love you so much, Lord. We love you so much. And we know on the grand scale of things, your wisdom is far above ours. So we ask your will be done in our lives. We pray in Christ's name, amen.